We are in part four of this series called The Good Life, where we're looking at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And I have to tell you, uh, man, last week was just really, really intense. Um, we got a ton of feedback from, from many, many of you uh, on the message. It was about uh, loving your enemies and, and turning the other cheek. And it was just a really hard-hitting message. And particularly, a lot of people were really moved by, by Kathy's story uh, in that service. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're here um, I, I, I want you to know that all of the messages for this series are available online, totally free. You can podcast, you can watch a video of the sermon. And I just encourage you to, to uh, if, you, if you miss one or two, just, just go ahead and jump in and, and get caught up. Um, so we are going to continue forward. We're now in, in Matthew's gospel, the sixth chapter. And, um, and this is more of Jesus teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. And... Um, you figure, man, it can't, it can't be any more intense than it was last week. I mean, that was just, it was, it was insane. So we're going to find out, actually, if it can be that intense again. Uh, here we go. Jesus says, this is Matthew 6, starting in verse 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what's done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what's done in secret, will reward you. And then Jesus goes on and he gives us a teaching about prayer, but then he comes back to the same theme in verse 16. And he says, when you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So really, it's captured in that first verse. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. And for many of us in this room right now, we just kind of did a collective sigh of relief because here's the, here's the reality. After last week and how intense that message was about loving enemies and forgiving, and um, now here we come to this passage and we're like, okay, man, this is good. I can, I can, this is a good one. I can take this one because you're looking at this and you're like, okay, cool. So it, it appears that Jesus is addressing a bunch of religious people who are doing things for show. 
and they're trying to show everybody how religious they are. And if they can do that, then, you know, it just, man, everyone's gushing over them and that's going to feel so good. And they're, you know, they're giving and they're, they're, they're dropping their money in the offering baskets and giving to the poor man. They're doing all that so everybody can see them. And they're out praying on street corners and they're fasting so everybody knows that you're fasting. And some of you were like, man, okay, this is nice. This is kind of a, a breather this week because I can just kind of sit back and I can relax. And I would love to hear a good sermon for all those people who are doing that and being really showy. Um, but that's definitely not me. And so maybe you're just kind of like, you're settling in. It's nice and warm in here. And you're just going to kind of uh, just have a nice relaxing time these next few minutes. Um, because as you think about your own life, you're like, okay, well, um, I'm certainly not someone who's showing off how much I'm giving and what that's, you know, what that looks like. Um, there's no way I've ever like been praying on a street corner <laughs> or anything like that. And um, fasting, I mean, you mean voluntarily fasting? So, you know, I mean, so when we think about this passage, uh, we, we may just kind of say, well, this is, this is great because here we are. We're a church for people who don't go to church. I mean, if there's, if there's any passage that's, that may not necessarily apply to, to a church like ours, this, this is the passage. In fact, there are many of you who are like, no, you don't even have to worry about me with the giving or the praying or the fasting because the reality is for many of you, like, you're here right now in secret. There, you don't even, there's people in your life that like, you, you don't want them to know and they don't know. You know, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, you know, what are you doing Sunday? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I got some stuff to do in the morning. You know, I mean, you, you don't want that to get out because you don't want to be seen a certain way. And so it's like, hey, this passage, this, this is beautiful. I'm going to settle in, just maybe take a little nap today and, um, and, and this will be great. Well, before you do that, I, I want for us to look at how this actually applies to every single one of us in this room, even those of us who would not consider ourselves very religious, at least in a showy sort of a way. So really what Jesus is saying here, if we break this down, when he talks about practicing our righteousness, that's really any good deed, okay? That's anything good that we do. And so really what Jesus is saying here is if we do anything, anything at all to be seen by others, like that's the end goal is so that they'll see, they'll notice us. Basically what Jesus is saying is this, make sure that you let them get a really good look at what you're doing. Okay, like take your time, draw people's attention over to you, make sure that they see. And then if they have like this, this really, you know, awesome look on their face, like they're just gushing over this thing that you just did, you know, go ahead and snap a quick picture using your cell phone. Okay, and make sure that if they send you a little message or, you know, they say, they comment about how great you are or what you did, make sure you save that and you put it somewhere prominently because here's the deal. That reward that you just got, that's all you get. That, that's as good as it gets right there. Anybody heard this song before? Let's go ahead and play this song. You guys know this song, right? Who sings this song? Yeah, Lady Gaga. So, here's the deal. If we live for the applause, applause, applause of others, right? If we live for the applause, applause, live for the applause, applause of other people, then we cannot take hold 
of this good life. We're going to miss out on it because we are so busy living for the applause, applause, applause of other people. Now, let me illustrate this. So um, if you've been coming to Grace for a while now, you know that um, I've been pretty transparent about uh, one of a big struggle in my life, a personal struggle of mine, and, and that is, um, I just, I, I've had a really hard time in my life with, um, with taking out the garbage. And, um, and so I've actually made a lot of progress on this, and part of it's been actually due to these sermons, because now so much is made of this, now it's like a huge family event when I'm taking out the garbage, and so I found that the applause for the garbage has become, I, it's no longer an issue for me, I kind of, I, I, it's, it's, been, it's been amazing, it's been amazing, kind of miraculous. But I've, I've actually now kind of gotten tuned in that, that there's another thing that I really, really hate to do in, in the house. And the crazy thing about this is that it doesn't take very long. In fact, I've timed it, and it only takes, it takes less than three minutes to do this. Um, but I just, I just can't stand doing it, and I don't really know why, but it's, it's just, I'll, I'll show you a little picture. It, it involves this, this appliance here. So... Unloading the dishwasher. So, so here's, here's the deal for me. Here's what happens. Um, you know, you, you go and, and you, you get a drink or a little snack, you know, just a little plate or a glass or a, a coffee mug or, or something. You take it out and, and you have your little drink or your snack. And then, and then, um, you, 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 it's time to, it's time to take care of the, the dirty item. And so you, you go to the kitchen, right? And I go to the kitchen. And, um, and I'm not just going to drop it on the countertop or put it in the sink, but I'm going to do my good duty. And so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put it in the dishwasher. And you know that moment, I don't know if any of you have experienced this, but for me, it's just, it's very traumatic because you go to open the dishwasher and you're convinced that the dishwasher is dirty. It's just like, okay, I'm just going to drop it in. You open it up and all of a sudden, like the steam comes out. You're like, oh man, it's clean. It's clean. And now my whole day has just been completely derailed. Because now it's like, it's a good three minutes that I got to deal with this. And, you know, a lot of times just confessing because it's church, I'll just act like I never even saw that. Just quick rinse of the cup, put it in the drying rack. I'm out. Like I'm just gone. Never even, never even noticed. And, and the, so the crazy thing is that um, when I do, when I unload the dishwasher, and this is very much like my confession of my garbage uh, detail that I do, but uh, at that point, I'm annoyed. I'm frustrated. Uh, this isn't something that I want to be doing right now. And so if there's anybody in the house, I, I want them to be aware that I, of my pain because it helps me. So I'll just make sure that I take a little extra care to bang some things around and put when I'm putting things away and just make sure that everybody knows that I am doing, I'm making a sacrifice. This, this is a hard thing for me. I don't enjoy unloading the dishwasher. And what I'm really hoping, this is what I'm hoping for, okay? And, and I mean, you know, you might think this is crazy, but this is legitimately what I'm hoping for. I am hoping that as I'm unloading the dishwasher or right as I'm putting like the last few things away, my wonderful wife, Becky, will, will walk into the kitchen and go, oh, Derek, thank you so much. You, you just unloaded the dishwasher? That's awesome. You know, you just, you just, you know, you just got us ahead in the morning. I mean, you saved me some time, Derek. I mean, you have made a difference in our family. Like, this is, this is incredible. I want to be the protector, the provider, the rescuer, you know, the thing that's like deep down in a man. And so it's like, I, I, I'm craving that. Okay. Now, is that, is that dysfunctional? 
You can say yes. It's very dysfunctional, okay? But that, that is actually what I'm doing. See, what I'm, what I'm after is I'm after the applause, applause, applause of my wife. That's what I want. And, you know, instead of that happening, she walks in and is like, oh my gosh, you unloaded the dishwasher? <laughs> that never happens. You feeling okay? You know, and, and so is that, is that what I'm looking for? I mean, she noticed... I was seen by somebody, you know. No, it's, it's not at all. And so here, here is the, here's the point. And this really gets back to what Jesus is saying. If, if I am living for the applause of my wife, if I'm doing something to be seen by her and noticed and affirmed by her, if I'm living for her applause, I'm missing it completely. The good life will escape me. In fact, I'm doomed in this situation Every single time. And this is the case in a marriage. And many of you know this because in a marriage, both sides make tremendous sacrifices and are constantly doing things either for the good of the other or the good of the family or whatever. And if we are living for the applause of our spouse, we are setting ourselves up for failure. Because even when they do applaud, it's not, they don't fully understand the sacrifice you know, they don't fully understand how hard it is to unload that dishwasher, okay? That was three minutes of my day I can never get back. And so they can't appreciate that enough. So even if they do give a little applause, it's not near what we need. The same is true outside of marriage. Think about your workplace, okay? What the latest studies that I've seen have said is that only about 20% of the American workforce feels valued, feels appreciated, feel like they get enough applause. And so if we are living for the applause of our bosses, or we are living for the applause of our coworkers, we know this, right? It's never going to happen. And when it does, can they really appreciate us the way that we feel like we, can they really understand all the sacrifices that we've made? I remember um, my first job out of undergrad I, I was working for Arthur Anderson doing um, business consulting work. And it was, it was just really intense, a lot of hours, uh, very stressful situations. And, um, and I had a senior manager who uh, was managing a lot of different projects all, all over the region. And so um, typically I would just kind of try and check in with him every few days. And, and so I would give him an update on what was happening at our particular client site and all the chaos and everything that was happening there. And, um, and part of the reason I did this was to give him an update. But if we're just being really honest, part of the reason is because I wanted him to, to know that this was hard, man, and I was busting it, and it was really stressful. And I wanted him to know that. Why? So I get a little applause, applause. Come on, give me a little applause, applause. And he was great, you know. I mean, Brent Slusher, one of the greatest guys. And this was his technique for helping me to feel appreciated. I, I kid you not, this was his favorite line. He would say, Derek, man, wow, that, that's, that's crazy. Sounds like you got a heck of a week. So I just want just to remind you, life sucks. Get a helmet. That was, that was, his, uh, that was his applause for me. So if you're, if you're living for the applause in your workplace, you're really doomed because you're not going to get it. And, and, and we all know this intuitively. The same principle of, applies with our friendships, right? I mean, we do things for our friends and we make sacrifices for them. We show up to things for them we don't even want to show up for, you know, and they don't, they can't really appreciate us the way that we need to be appreciated. And if we are living for their applause, we're missing it. We're missing it. 
And let me tell you, if you're here today and you're a parent and you are living for the applause of your children, you are in big, big trouble. I don't even think I knew like how to appreciate my parents till I moved out of the house, okay? Um, but I, I want you to hear this, parents. If you need your child's applause, you cannot love them the way they need to be loved. I want to say that again, okay? And I want you to really think about this because for many of us, we have moments where we, we just need a little and they're just not, they're, it's just not set up where they're going to give it to us most of the time. If you need your child's applause, parents, you cannot love them the way they need to be loved. They need to be loved unconditionally by you, okay? So just kind of chew on that one for a little bit. Last week, we talked about loving our enemies. And let me tell you, if, if you know, you got all fired up about that message in a good way, fired up in a good way, um, and, and you were like, okay, you know, I'm gonna do this. Heaven help you if you're doing this for their sake. Heaven help you. Because I'm telling you, the odds of them coming around and just having this radical transformation in their life, just gushing over you at your generosity and your grace uh, are not good. They're not good. So if you're doing it to be recognized by them or by other people who kind of see what you do and you get a little, some, some appreciation and some applause that way, I'm telling you, you're, you're setting yourself up for, for a bad situation. Because if we live for the applause of others, we can't take hold of this good life that God wants us to take hold of. Because you see, the good life, the good life, isn't living for the applause of other people. The good life is living for the applause of one. It's living for the applause of the one who made us, the one who loves us no matter where we go, no matter what we do. It's living for the applause of the one who fully gets us. It's the only one who understands the sacrifices we make, how difficult that thing is. There's only one who fully gets us, who fully knows what's going on. And so when we live for the applause of the God who knows us and loves us, that is actually the key to taking hold of the good life. So I want to give you guys a little illustration here. So my, coming back to my dishwasher deal. So um, if I am unloading the dishwasher and I'm doing it for Becky, we've kind of already covered this, that there's no way I'm going to get what I, what I need in terms of her applause. But if instead, and some of you might have seen this before, this is a little... This is a little um, visual marriage illustration. So we've got God up on the top of the triangle and then we've got me there and then we got my wife over here. And um, so the deal is, if, if, I'm, if I'm serving for my wife's sake, okay, if, if whatever, whatever I'm doing, if I'm doing it so that she will notice and she will give me some applause, okay, so I'm directing some energy this way, like this, I'm, I'm killing it, I'm trying to do everything I can. And, and even, even if in the best case, she just says, hey, thanks. You know, you, know where that, you know how far that reciprocates? It gets about right there for me, okay? Hey, thanks a lot, honey. That's great, okay? Maybe a hug. Okay, I'm getting a little further. Maybe some other stuff. I'm getting a little further. But anyway, um, so it's never, like, 
there's, there's always a disconnect here. And usually what happens, since, let's just be honest, my wife does the, unloads the dishwasher about 95% of the time, okay, is that she's like, seriously, are, are you serious? Like, you need like a cookie or something? To, like, what, what do you need here? You, you re- are we really at this level where like you need this for just doing a basic task that takes three minutes? It's pathetic. I mean, that's what's, that's what's going on in her mind, okay? Let's just be real. And so, so she's not even gonna notice most of the time. And she really shouldn't. I mean, this is kind of my issue. So the deal is when she doesn't notice or when she makes one of those always or never comments, you know, those are fantastic in marriages, you know, the always and nevers. So when she throws one of those out, like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. You never do that. What, what, what's, what's happening for me? I'm hoping that I hit this right here and it bounces all the way back to me. And instead, when she doesn't give me the response I want, I'm actually, I'm actually moving this way, right? I'm like, forget it. You know what? I just tried to do something nice, I'm out, okay? I'm not doing that again, because, you know, I never do it anyway. So might as well just really let, you, let that be true. And so I start to pull, pull back. And what happens is, in the marriage, we start to grow further and further apart. And here's why. Because I am living for the applause, applause, applause of my wife. But what if instead... I unload the dishwasher or do whatever sacrificial act or whatever thing I don't necessarily feel like, but I do it anyway. What if instead I do it for God, for the applause of one? What if I do this thing and while I'm doing it, and and this is legitimately the only way that this actually works for me so I can have a good attitude about doing it, is while I'm doing it, I'm literally in my mind, I'm going, okay, God, you know, I hate this. Okay, you know I hate this. Okay, there's another glass up there. Okay, I just can't stand this. But, but I know that I am called by you to serve my spouse. I am supposed to sacrifice for her, to love her, love her and honor her. And I am doing this, God, because ultimately you call me to do this. I am trying to be the good husband here. And so if I do that and I can really stay focused on God, then what I realize is that God is up there going, hey, Derek, that's awesome, man. That's exactly. And nobody gets it, just you and me. That's what I feel like God says to me. Nobody else gets it, but, but I get you, okay? And well done, well done. Just keep on, keep on doing that thing. And when I'm able to focus that way, then I get the applause that I deeply crave and that I need. And I'm actually able to do pretty much anything with a good attitude and the right way. Now, What's cool about this is then I'm motivated to keep doing this. And so I eventually, over time, start working my way up this triangle as I continue to focus on God, serving my spouse, but ultimately for God. Now, this is where the magic happens, you guys. If you have a spouse who's also doing this same thing, okay, and they are serving and they're not ultimately doing it for you, but they're doing it for the applause of the one who made them. If you are both doing this and both staying focused on God, then what you see starts to happen is you get closer together as you, as you move up this triangle. This is absolutely awesome. And I mean, this, this is just one of these like fundamental things to a great marriage. Now, a lot of you are here, you know, and you're thinking, okay, 
that's great, but you know, what about if there's just one of us doing that? I mean, my spouse isn't even here right now, or you know, my, my future spouse, I don't even know where they are, but, um, but they're going to be here one day. And so, you know, how, how, I mean, how, how does this work if it's, just, if it's just one person doing it? And I got to tell you, and this is not a formula, and it doesn't work every single time, but you will be amazed if you just set your eyes on God, and, and you do it because this is what God calls you to do. As you start to, to move up here, and you start to do this, you will be amazed at how often your spouse or significant other starts to get drawn up here. They don't even know what's going on, okay? But, but for whatever reason, it's, it's just a thing. When you're honored, you can't help but respond in a certain way. When you feel loved and taken care of, there's just a certain response that's gonna happen. So don't be discouraged if you're like, well, I'm, it's just me. It's just one side of the triangle because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, oftentimes what happens is the other person will start to be drawn in and they won't even necessarily know that they're serving God or whatever, but they just know that they want to serve you and, and it's a beautiful thing. So this principle doesn't just apply in a marriage situation, but it applies in all of our relationships. This principle of ultimately that we are living for the applause of one. When we realize that, that God calls us in, in friendships and in relationships and, and in our workplace to live a certain way, to conduct ourselves a certain way, um, when we live for him ultimately and we don't worry about anybody else and if they're thanking us and appreciating us enough or whatever, you will be just amazed at how all of a sudden you are free from needing their applause because you have the most important applause that you need. And I can tell you that um, we can even love our enemies, kind of going back to last week. We can even love our enemies if we apply this principle. If, if ultimately we remember that we don't love our enemies for their sake, but we love our enemies because ultimately the God who made us and who loves us is like, look, you don't get this, you don't understand, okay? But, but I want you to do this. And, and he knows us and he knows how badly they've wronged us. He knows that we haven't experienced justice and that we'd be letting them get away with something if we, if we forgave them and we loved them and we prayed for them and we did those things. But God is like, look, I know all that stuff. And you know what? Ultimately, I'm gonna take care of it. Ultimately, my heart has broken over this situation too. I, I know all that and I just, just trust me. You, I, all I want you to do is to love them and forgive them. I want you to get free, okay? And give it to me. And God says, I'll, I'll take care of them, okay? I'll take care of the rest. I, leave the fallout to me. And if we keep our eyes on the one who loves us, who knows us, we can even love our enemies, but we better not be doing it for their sake. So here's the question. It's real basic this morning, but I want to ask you in all areas of your life, in your day-to-day life, big things, small things, whose applause are you looking for? Whose applause do you seek? Where do you get affirmed? I'll just be real honest. For me, it's a lot easier to look this way than to look this way for my applause. It just is. Because, you know, I can't see God, so that's the problem number one right there. You know what I'm saying? I can see all you guys. Everybody come up after the service and just say, you know, thank you, Derek. That was so great. You know, I mean, it's just, so, but here's the deal. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. 
So, th- so that's the question again. Whose applause are you seeking? So in this passage, we skipped over Jesus' teaching about prayer. And um, he gives us arguably the most recited uh, passage in the entire New Testament. It's his model prayer. It's called the Lord's Prayer, even though it's a prayer we're supposed to pray. It should kind of be called a disciple's prayer, but whatever. It's called the Lord's Prayer uh, in tradition. And, and so Jesus says, and man, if you love the Lord's Prayer and you're like, man, why don't we ever say the Lord's Prayer? You can just say, say this along with me, okay? But Jesus says in verses 9 through 13, this is how you should pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And, for, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Just about all of us have heard this before, whether we grew up in church or not. What's fascinating about this, okay, this is Jesus' model prayer for us. If you look at it, it's in two parts, two basic parts. Now, prayer at its most stripped down level is basically a human being crying out with a need, crying out to God. Help. And in this prayer, Jesus says, you know, that part about your need, that's part two, okay? We'll get to that part. We'll get to you and what you need. But the first part of the Lord's Prayer that I want you to see, because this is Jesus' model prayer for us, the first part, Jesus says, it starts by you saying, our Father, our Father, the one who loves us, we're his children. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be his name. God, you are awesome. May your name be, be held up as great in this world. And God, and it's a, it's a prayer for God's kingdom to come and rule down on this earth, for, for the things of God to have victory down here. It's a prayer for God's will to be done, just as it is in heaven, to also be done here on earth. And so this model prayer starts with God. You see, what Jesus is trying to tune us into is that ultimately it's about God, it's about his kingdom, it's about his will, and ultimately it's about his applause. I want to just give you a little challenge this week, okay? No idea how, how you're doing spiritually this week, if you're struggling with, you know, just the basic habit of prayer or whatever, but I want to just give you a little, a little easy challenge. Uh, just this week, find time, maybe in the beginning of your day, whenever, just, just, just to say a prayer, but to start with God, to start by lifting up His name, and his holiness and praying for his kingdom and his will and just allow yourself before you get into your own stuff and we all have our own stuff okay and and jesus says we're supposed to bring that too but before you do that just allow yourself to be tuned in first to god and his will and his kingdom and his applause when you uh close with a little story and then um and then we're gonna take communion and then we'll dismiss you guys so uh, a number of years ago um when i was uh in my early 20s and and i was working at arthur anderson like i said um i i had a, a just something really traumatic that that happened to me somebody very close to me hurt me very badly and um it was a very painful time in my life and 
It wasn't just me, but it impacted um, others close to me and, and people in my family. And, uh, and I really didn't know how to handle it very well. And so basically in, in a mode to kind of protect myself, but also um, just I thought that this would be a good way to bring some justice to the situation. I, I, I had this person who was very much a huge part of my life and I just completely cut them out. Just cut them out entirely. And uh, I basically didn't talk to this person um, at all. We ceased all communication with this person. And, um, and I gotta tell you, um, although I was pretty broken and messed up inside, it felt, felt pretty good, felt pretty good to, to do that. It was really in the name of justice that, that uh, I had cut this person out. And I said, you know, for, for how they've impacted me and others, th- this, this is gonna be a little bit of their just desserts, if you will. And, um, and so this, this period of time went on for, for over a year. And during that time, I was attending a church. I, my girlfriend dragged me back into church. Uh, she kept nagging me and nagging me and nagging me. So ladies, don't stop, don't stop nagging your, the guys in your life. Um, but I eventually came back to church. And, um, and for the first time in my life, no, no disrespect to any of the other churches I grew up in that were so completely boring and just ridiculous. Um, but... Um, for the first time in my life, I was like, wow, this is a church that's like helped me to understand how, how faith matters in my day-to-day life, you know? Like it's, it's actually relevant and I can take it and apply it. My life is better because of co- going to church instead of worse for having been there suffering for an hour. And so, um, so I'm, through, this, through this time, I'm, I'm really learning, really for the first time and understanding faith and why did Jesus come and this whole notion that, you know, I'm not perfect, and the only way that I'm going to be like spending eternity with a perfect God is if I can achieve perfection. And so as I really wrestled with this and I came to the understanding that we actually are promised perfection through Jesus, like just through believing in him and his sacrifice and just admitting that we can't get there on our own, which is kind of part one of this series. Um, I, I, I just, I, I connected a lot of dots and it all started making sense. But I still had this, this deal going on because I knew, I knew because I'd heard th- this taught in this church through this time when I, was, when I was just like totally cut this person out of my life, um, that when we receive the forgiveness of God, we really, really receive it and we, and we accept his grace and we thank him for what he's done, that, that as a natural outflow, if we really get it, we just, we cannot help but forgive other people. We cannot help it. We're not to withhold it. And, um, but I just, I couldn't hear it. I, I didn't want to believe it. I couldn't handle it. And so um, fast forward a little bit. So this person um, that I had such problems with was actually making a trip to, um, to the city where I was living at the time. And, uh, and I heard about it, I got wind of it. And I wasn't planning on seeing this person. But um, the Sunday before the trip, I go to church and, um, and the sermon was all about forgiveness that day. You gotta be careful, you know, when you go to church because you just never know what's gonna happen or how it's just gonna mess you up, okay? So wouldn't you know it, it's all about forgiving other people. That was like, they just hammered, hammered with that. And I'm like, okay, but I walked out of that and it was, I was not convinced, okay? So then the next morning I'm driving to work and I tune into a Christian radio station and they do in this huge piece and testimony on this person and how she forgave her enemies and this whole deal. And they got all these songs about forgiveness. It was like the theme of, of that day. And I'm like, oh, come, are you serious? 
And then just to top it all off, just for good measure, because I think God uh, has a real good sense of humor. Um, I had one of those little daily devotional things that you can pick up in some churches. You can't find one here, but, but, um, but you, you know, like our daily bread or some of these things you find sometimes. I don't even know where I got it, but I was using this daily devotional thing. And of course, of course, I open it up and the devotion for that day is what? It's forgiveness. Of course it is. And at that point, I just said, okay, God, okay. I get it. I get it. I know this is something that you have called me to do. And if you're here and you're wrestling with the same thing, whatever you do, do not read Matthew 18 verses 21 to 35. Don't read it. In fact, tear it out of your Bible, okay? Because it will mess you up. And so I'm messed up. And I'm like, okay, God. And I arranged to see this person. And I just, I remember, like it was yesterday, I, I said, God, and I don't know if I was on my knees, but I felt like I was on my knees, if you know what I'm saying. And I just said, God, okay, you know, I get this. This is something that you call me to do. I've, I've received your forgiveness. You call me to extend it. I don't want to. I don't feel like it. And God, here's the deal. I'm not doing it for this other person. I'm only doing this for you. I'm only doing this because you tell me to do this. And in fact, God, there's nothing in me that wants to. So if this is going to happen, you got to take over this deal. And you, you've got to give me the words. You've got to give me the strength. You've got to give me the energy. Ultimately, I will do this, but only for you and not for this other person. And so I have to tell you, we, we met. It was incredibly awkward. Incredibly awkward. And, you know, I'd love to tell you that, you know, oh, man, and then there, we just had this big old, you know, hug, and everything was awesome. It wasn't. Okay? It wasn't. And it's taken years and years and years, and I keep picking back up my, my you know, my little grudge, and I have to keep letting go of it and keep reminding myself that, that I've already turned that over to God. But I've, I've got to tell you that something, God began something in me that day. And uh, I'm a different person because of it. And the relationship um, that, that I, I have with this person is, is worlds better. I mean, it, it is just, it's only by God's grace. And so the deal is that ultimately, God can enable us to do crazy, unbelievable, impossible things. But we've gotta make sure that we're not living for the applause, applause, applause of other people because they cannot applaud the way we need them to. It's only by the applause of the one who truly gets us and who truly loves us and who truly knows us that we can do these things. So we're gonna celebrate communion now. And if you're a part of our communion team, I just if you could just go ahead and um, grab what you need to get and take your, take your places, I wanna let you all know that communion is open to everybody here at Grace. And so um, we're going to invite you in just a moment, just as you feel led, if you'd like, or if you don't, if you don't feel like you want to, that's, that's totally fine too. But we're going to have stations set up all over and you can come and, uh, and, and receive communion. But I want to tell you in case you're here and you're like, yeah, why, why do we do communion? It's kind of this, you know, like what's it all about and what's the significance of it? And this is why I think communion is so incredibly cool. Because you see, God didn't just settle for giving us a list 
of do's and don'ts. God just didn't kind of issue this set of commands and just drop them down from heaven somewhere and we're left with this little list. And maybe that's what you think because maybe you're like, well, I got this Bible and it's kind of a list of commands. And so, you know, I mean, I kind of feel like that actually is the deal. Well, actually the good news for you today is it's totally not like that at all because here's the deal. God did give us some instructions. God gave us some incredible wisdom and guidance for how to live this life, to how to take hold and enjoy the good life that he wants every single one of us to have. But you see, here's the cool thing. God didn't just stop there. He didn't just say, here's the commands, just good luck. No, no, no. It was so much better than that. God said, you know what? Now what I'm going to do is I'm actually not just going to give you a list. I'm going to come down to this earth. And that's actually what Christianity professes, that God took on human form in the person of Jesus Christ and came to this earth to clear up any confusion and basically to show us how to live, how to do this. He demonstrated it. In fact, he didn't just say, forgive your enemies. He was up on a cross, nailed on a cross. And you can read the words in your New Testament of your Bible. He was forgiving and praying for his enemies who nailed him to the cross. And so he came and he showed us. But he didn't just give us a list. He actually gave us his body. And he gave us his blood. He made that sacrifice for us so that by believing in him, we would be called righteous in the eyes of God. The minute we just admit we can't get there on our own and we put our faith in him, God says, you're good, you're good. And so communion is a celebration of that truth. And it's also a celebration of the truth that when we do this and we receive Jesus Christ as our savior, that he says, I'm sending my spirit And we have the spirit of God in us that enables us to do things that we could never do on our own. So as we close this service this morning and as we uh, take communion, um, Christian and Chris are gonna uh, play a last song for you guys. And um, I just wanna encourage you as you're coming up, um, orient yourselves to the applause of the only one that really matters and the only one that can truly meet the need you have for that applause. So feel free, take as you, as you like. I'm gonna say a quick prayer for us and then you guys go ahead. Uh, Lord, we just thank you so much for your love, for what you've done for us and that ultimately God, for your applause that really does fill us up and we can focus on you. Bless the eating of this bread and the drinking of this cup. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.